This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to AHP. Thanks for joining me. Today I'm talking to Marion Barnes uh, about women in shooting, which I think is really, really important. Uh, a lot of us are mar- married. Uh, you might have a wife that maybe doesn't shoot and you want to get her into shooting if you're in Victoria. Tell her to get in contact with Marion. Take her up. Be part of one of these courses that Marion runs that tries to get women into shooting. Women, from what I've heard, have a great time in getting out there. They love shooting. Uh, they love it. They, they really want to get into it, and they just need someone, maybe their husband, maybe a friend, even if they're not married. Get your females into shooting. As Marion says, they are an integral part of the sport, and they're also part of the future of the sport, too, in uh, getting their children into hunting and shooting activities, which is always, I think, really important. I, I always great when I like to interview women on this show. It's really important. And I uh, had a great chat with Marion uh, about everything to do with shooting, what she enjoys, uh, what she hunts when she gets an opportunity, and why she wants to get women in shooting. So without further ado, let's get into my interview with today's guest, Women in Shooting with Marion Barnes. This is Rod Drew, CEO of Field and Game Australia. This is Rob Fickling from Beyond the Divide and Maroka 30. Hi, this is Col Allison, hunter, journalist for 42 years and a shooter. Hi, this is Russell Mark, Olympic gold medalist. This is Charlie Jacoby from Field Sports Britain. Hey everybody, it's Tom Knapp and you're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. All right, Marion Barnes, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Today we're going to be talking about women in shooting. I really appreciate your time. Thanks. Thank you for the chance to um, put my case forward. No worries. I guess I want to find out who is Marion Barnes. Tell us about yourself, I guess, where you grew up, and uh, let's start with that first. Okay, Marion Barnes was raised in Kyabram, a little town in North Country, Victoria, Um Raised as the youngest of a family of four, basically um, two sisters, a brother. I was the youngest. So basically dad's shadow when it came to fishing, shooting, hunting, followed him everywhere. Yeah, and what about, so how did you end up getting into it? How did you get into this wonderful sport of uh, shooting and and hunting? Uh, A lot of people get into it a lot of different ways. Uh, How did you get into it? Was Was it a family tradition in your family or...? Pretty much. um, Ichuka is probably only 35 minutes north of me and it was basically a tradition to go up to grandma's every Sunday and dad would shoot top-notch pigeons along the power lines on the way up to Ichuka. We'd pluck them and gut them and cook them for dinner Sunday night. So it was a tradition of me sitting in the front seat between mum and dad reloading his ammo belt and his magazines. (laughs) Yeah. Not too bad at all. Um, what about, you said you grew up in uh, rural Victoria, is that right? Pretty much, yes. Yeah, what, and what do you think it's like growing up in, in, in you know, those rural areas, especially, you know, being a firearms owner? Um, and, and how do you think it's changed over the last, I guess, oof, what, you know, 20 or 30 years, do you think? Wow, where do I start? Okay, uh, <laughs> Family of four children, so three in the back seat, me between mum and dad in the front seat, and basically dad would drive around with his twenty two rifle across his lap, 
the barrel out the window of the car and if he saw an opportunity, he whacked it. Um, <laughs> tried doing that today. <laughs> very, no, very right. different. Very, very different from the way I grew up. Um, there was no rules and regulations, but um, my father's rifle, I grew up watching my father's rifle behind the bedroom door, ammunition on top of the wardrobe, and it never occurred to us to touch it. Um, so different from today. And my father wheeled and dealed in firearms. So I grew up watching rifles go in the front door, out the back door, trips to gun shops. It was just second place to me. I, I never questioned the um, safety of it. it. It just wasn't an issue. Yeah. What about your dad? What did he teach you in regards to, I guess, firearms in general? I mean, when you were growing up. Probably the best thing Dad ever taught me was to assume every firearm is loaded and that has been something that's carried with me throughout my life. And I recently had a situation to prove that. Um, I had a photographer and journalist arrive at my range to take photographs of myself with my shotgun and a few other ladies. As the ladies walked over, I cracked open every shotgun and showed the journalists they were empty. And she said, wow, no one's ever done that for me before. I'm like, that's rule 101 of firearm safety is to treat every firearm as though it's loaded. That is just a matter of respect. When handing a firearm to someone, you show them it's unloaded or they check that it's unloaded. It's, it's just a, as I said, rule 101 that you learn from an early age. Yeah, no, you're right. What about um, your, your, your other family members? Did anyone else get into shooting in your family? Was it just you or do you got brothers and sisters that got into it as well? Or? Well, funny you should mention that. My two sisters, um, I guess they followed mum down the knitting and sewing path, cooking. My brother, yes, he did follow dad, but he discovered cars and girlfriends and and. <laughs> 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 And as you well know, you can't afford cars, girlfriends and firearms. And um, I was the little one that, yeah, when my brother found other activities, I began following Dad everywhere and he worked Saturday mornings when he knocked off work. Dad and I'd head up to around Deneliquin and we'd go rabbiting all night, um, setting springers along the river because you could back then, and we'd go spotlighting. It was just something that I look at it now and I don't think it was very that it was out of place or uncommon. To me, it was just the way I grew up, as I think a lot of other country kids also experienced the same. Yeah. When, when you were back then, what type of uh, firearms was, was on display there when you know, when your obviously father owned them? Was different types of firearms? Did he have a, sp- a select kind that he liked to use all the time? What sort of firearms did you grow up on? My dad was basically a twenty two rifle shooter, um, he did get in some heavy calibers later on when he was hunting pigs and roos as a professional hunter. But most of my life it was 22s and I still have vivid memories of I was too small to stand and hold the rifle and take a shot. So Dad laid me in the prone position and taught me how to shoot laying on my stomach. And the interesting thing when my son was about 13 and developing an interest in firearms um, I also did the same. I, I laid him down and taught him how to steady his shot laying in the prone position. And I guess it's it's what you learn that you pass on to your kids. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us about, I mean, well, speaking about that, do um, you, you have kids? Did you get them into shooting and uh, how do they enjoy it? I have a son and a daughter. My daughter has been um, hesitant towards firearms. 
My son has got a healthy interest and has a firearms licence. Um, at the moment, I have a big day at my range tomorrow, and I'm proud to say my 10-year-old granddaughter is coming to my range for my pink ribbon fundraising shoot. She has a healthy interest in following grandma into the sport of shooting, yep. something I really want to nurture. And interestingly, it's actually turning her mother around to my way of seeing things, that shooting in a range is a safe, heavily controlled environment under instruction, nothing to fear. So, yeah, I'm my granddaughter's 10, and I'm just waiting for her to be old enough to get the um, junior licence. Yeah. Guess who's going to be her teacher? <laughs> you? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> What do you uh, speaking of that? Your kids. What, what, what do they think when Mum loves shooting? What do they What do they think about your shooting activities? Um, I think my daughter feels I'm having a midlife crisis because I, my first husband didn't shoot. Uh, second husband is a keen shooter. My children haven't really grown up with knowing Mum's shooting, so yeah, she thinks I'm having a midlife crisis. But my son's very proud of my activities. He's very proud of my promotion of shooting. And I'm now developing into different disciplines. I originally started as a rifle shooter with my father. I then got into shotgun. I'm currently sitting my handgun licence. And, yep, son couldn't be more proud of his mother. Looking for outdoor equipment for your next adventure? At Aussie Outdoor Gear, you can find cooking equipment, camo clothing for kids, backpacks, camo accessories and much more. We cater for your hunting, fishing, camping, hiking and other outdoor pursuits with our unique product range. AussieOutdoorGear.com.au Quality gear at affordable prices. Do you have dull, blunt or badly sharpened knives that couldn't skin a cat? At Scary Sharp, we use a multi-step grinding system and will hand sharpen your blades to a precise edge. Our process of sharpening knives will have your blade splitting hairs for a surprisingly low cost. Not only do we sharpen knives, but we also sharpen scissors, clippers, garden tools, arrowheads, axes or anything that holds an edge. We are located close to Canberra and we also have a mail-in service. Visit Scary Sharp on Facebook or call Bob on 0410 432 852 and find out how we can meet your sharpening needs. Scary sharp. If it cuts, we can sharpen it. Yeah, when you were younger and you were, you know, you're shooting with your your father. When after you sort of got a bit older, obviously you moved away from home. Did you continue that, or you had a large break in between you know, getting back into firearms? The only reason I say that is because your daughter said, like, <laughs> Mum's having a midlife crisis. She's getting into shooting. Did you, when were you sort of in your elderly life? Did you did you start? Did you pick it up again, or you've done it all the way through? Oh, elderly life. I like that smack in the Sorry, face. Sorry, I know. Okay, in your older, more, you know, uh, uh, mature. fantastic. Mature. that's it. Older, more mature years. Nice. Yeah, well done. Um, yes, as I stated before, my first husband wasn't into shooting, so I took time out. I raised my children. I've then assisted in raising grandchildren. And through a stroke of luck being offered the chance to sit on the Government Shooting Sports Facilities Program, it's actually opened doors and taken me back to my roots. And this is where I belong. This is what I do. This is what I love doing is participating in shooting, but I'm, I really want to promote and protect our sport moving forward. And it's become a very deep passion of mine to pursue this, and I will continue to do so. Yeah. 
interesting question. Why has it become a deep passion for you to continue this, uh, you know, great sport that we, you know, we all enjoy really? Basically, um, as I've said, raised in a family of four, brought up around firearms, never once had an incident, and my father gave me a great love of the outdoors and shooting, and never once, I state again, was there an incident in all the firearms that I saw. It was like a revolving door at my house with rifles coming in the front door and out the back door. And it is a safe sport that appeals to from 12 years old where you can get a shooter's licence until you can no longer hold a firearm. And you can be male, female, abled, disabled, young, not so young. It is the perfect sport that you don't need to be athletic for. And I just find it covers such a broad spectrum. And I guess the way Dad raised me has given me such a love of the sport and a passion for it. And there's nothing like breaking your first clay, smacking your first target. I guess it's a thrill kill. I don't know. It's um, it's just in me, and I'd have to take it back to my father and what he instilled into me. Mm. What was that time when you realised, as you said, you, 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 as you got a little bit more mature, as you'd say, what was that time when you actually thought, oh, well, I'm going to get back into this? What, do you remember what that first catalyst was that got you back into the sport after, I guess, you know, growing up and uh, – you know, your father teaching you the wares of, of, the, of, of shooting and hunting? Actually, I can nail it in one. I had a hunting ground up here where I live, basically along the Golden River, and we had organised fox hunts with the traditional Old English-style horse and hound hunting. And it came to our attention that it was suddenly all under National Park We were not aware of this, as a lot of these things get slipped through with legislation and the average Joe Blow doesn't know about it. Um, They're now saying ignorance is no excuse. So, yes, you do have to do your research. But basically overnight, I lost my hunting ground and it probably coincided with the chance I was given to work on the Government Shooting Sports Facilities Program, which basically was giving monies to rangers and clubs to promote and therefore protect our sport. So when I lost my hunting ground, I decided to turn my attention to range shooting, which is something I'd never done in the past. Yeah, exactly. We're going to talk about the shooting grants in a minute because I've got a good, interesting question for you I think you might enjoy. Uh, but let's talk about what does Marion like to shoot? What does she enjoy shooting? What's her favourite? I mean, if you don't mind sharing what you own, you don't have to if you don't want to, but uh, what does Marion like shooting? What does she enjoy? What does Mary like shooting? To be honest, if you take me outside, the whole world is my target. It can be a stone on the ground. It can be a clay target sitting up. It can be a paper target I'll punch holes in. It can be vermin. Um, I'm not out there robbing banks or terrorising the neighbourhood. I'm doing this in a responsible manner. But the thrill of that hitting your mark, breaking your first clay, there's just nothing like it. There's, it's, it's just a feeling. Yeah, yeah. So what do you like, clay targets? Um, do you do any target shooting or anything like that? I know you're getting your pistol license. What prompted you to uh, get your pistol license or at least inquire about getting it and get into that? Okay, April this year, the SSAA Shepparton branch that I belong to, the range there, I've been clay target shooting there for a, a year now and several other field and game branches. But the SSAA range at Shepparton, um, 
is a dual purpose or triple discipline, actually, where there's shotgun up one end, pistol and rifle up the other end. And I run a day earlier this year in April to offer you shooters the experience of trying three different disciplines to feel what they might be comfortable with. And one of those disciplines was pistol. And, yeah, I guess I got hooked. <laughs> um, but as did <laughs> a lot all, of the other... <laughs> As did a lot of the other ladies. Um, when I, I originally joined SSA Shepparton as a clay target shooter, but when I found out they had a rifle range, there was just a calling back to my roots with my father that has led me back to my rifles. And, yeah, my gun safe has kind of swelled over the last 12 months. And, yeah, I've, I've found my roots back with my dad rifle shooting again. So... I've got three disciplines on the go there. I have tried black powder at the Seymour Black Powder Club, and that was an absolute hoot. Um, I like to challenge myself. And the pistol shooting is just another discipline that I could add to my list. But, yeah, it's an exciting discipline, and I'm looking forward to getting my Sig Mosquito out there. Yeah, nice. What about with clays? I like to shoot clays myself. I do enjoy it. Um, I think you remember you, you told me, and I have seen a few photos on a few pages. You've got, a, a, I think, a 20-gauge. Would you like the 20-gauge, the 20-gauge I think you've got? I've got a Lambert under and over 20-gauge. Ah, yes. Um, originally was using a Aya um, side-by-side 20-gauge and a Beretta Silver Pigeon 12-gauge. I've got injuries, um, so I pursued a 20-gauge to try and – Reduce the recoil and knocking me around so much. Love my 20 gauge. And we've got guys at the Shepherd and Range, they're using 20 gauge on a regular basis, even a 28 gauge. Um, they're quite adequate for shooting clays. But also, uh, I thoroughly enjoy smacking a clay with my 22 rifle or my new 17. <laughs> nice. What are you, uh, uh, in regards to those particular calibers, what made you choose those calibers? Obviously, you like 22 from growing up. What about the 17? What what sort of interests you about that particular caliber? Oh, Jason, I wish I knew. There's something about the 17. Um, it's a 17CZ453 Classic, and there's something about the aroma of the propellant that just takes me back to another time and for some reason it brings back memories of my dad and it's it's an exciting caliber to use it's faster it's accurate um just another it's a step up from the 22 and i thoroughly enjoy it it's letting me stretch myself out with my accuracy over further distances and i just find it an exciting next step yeah, absolutely. Um, talking about, I want to get back into. Oh no! So first off, before I do that, you've got a couple of Henrys. You enjoy shooting the Henrys. Do you like the Henry rifles? <laughs> of course, I love my Henry rifles. You know that. Yeah. Um, my... <laughs> but the listeners don't know that. They've got to hear it from you. Yeah, I know that, but uh, yeah. okay. My Henry Golden Boy is a sixteen-shot lever-action tube fed. Um, that was my first purchase earlier this year as far as Henry Repeating Arms go. And I found the CEO of Henry Repeating Arms, Anthony Empolado, to be an amazing gentleman to deal with. It's a fantastic business. Um, he assisted me in getting out my American Beauty, which is also a 22-16 shot lever action. And it's a silver receiver, heavily engraved with a 14-carat gold rose inlay. 
many have said too pretty to shoot, and I'm like, well, we can't display them here in Australia, so yeah, it's going to be a workhorse. <laughs> but the, inter- the interesting thing is every time I take those two rifles to the range, there's no shortage of men lining up asking can they use it. Yeah, um, no doubt. To me, you don't put a scope on a Henry. It just ruins it. And there is nothing as fluid as the cycling action of a Henry. Yeah. So what's what's the any, any new purchases coming up uh, that you're thinking about purchasing? Any Anything in particular? Yeah, I've got a bit of a passion for the new Henry AW4570, the all-weather 4570. <laughs> you might have to get a recall <laughs> pad for that one. Yeah, I've, um, <laughs> if you go, if you go the heavy loads, anyway. <laughs> I've got a long list of my wants. I'm afraid um, the Sig Mosquito pistol is a 22, but I'm already thinking of a nine mil. And if I get into nine mil, I'm going to have to start and reload. Yeah, I always freak out when I take three or four, you know, firearms to the range or out hunting. And then I think, oh, I've got to clean all these when I get back. This is going to be a nightmare. So sometimes I try <laughs> and take, you know, one or two. But. Uh, um, next question I've got for you, and you touched on this before, it's quite an interesting one. Now, I talk to a lot of people about this, is relationships with other people, and especially between male and female, obviously, or all sexes, really. What's the difference between, you know, do you reckon it's good to meet someone, a partner that shoots? I mean, I know some uh, guys and girls, they love doing it together, while others are a bit more, no, it's sort of, a, it's a guy thing, it's sort of, you know, that they like to get away with the friends or the mates or the girls like to get away with the girlfriends in, in some situations. So is it good having a partner, do you think? And is it easier to meet a partner that loves shooting? This is actually what Probably for a woman it would be easier, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Not for the guys, there's thousands of us, don't worry, there's thousands of us. This is actually what led me into the promotion of shooting as a great sport for ladies because everywhere I went and I've visited so many ranges in the last 12 months, so many guys said to me, damn, I wish my wife or girlfriend would come with me. And it kind of got me thinking that, okay, well, why don't they? Let's introduce them to a range. Let's show them what goes on. Let them experience the exhilaration of smashing your first clay. Because, yeah, so many guys actually want to share their sport with their ladies. And I had one gentleman at my last Come and Try Day, and he, he rang me up and he said, I'm from Melbourne. I'm bringing my wife up. I'm a hunter. I'm going to drop her at the gateway, and I'll pick her up three hours later, and you show her what it's all about. And, yeah, she went away happy, and she now goes hunting with him. So there is a, there's a real need out there to introduce women to the sport, but there's also a massive interest from women wanting to get into the sport, but not knowing how to do it. And also they feel a little intimidated, a little shy. So it led me introducing female-specific come-and-try days where the women don't feel intimidated, they don't have to be competitive, they can relax and enjoy it, and just try on a few different disciplines and see what suits them best. And lo and behold, the first day I run, I was I was supposed to have 60 women. I had 84. The one I'm running tomorrow, I've got 80, uh, 100 shooters coming. So there's a message there that women want to shoot, so let's make it available to them. Let's make it an inviting environment and show them what it's all about, show them it's a safe controlled environment heavily regulated nothing to fear and put them amongst their own peers and what I witnessed at the first day was 
I took a lot of photographs and the television was there and the newspapers. But at the end of the day, I actually caught some video footage with sound and just listening to the cheering and the clapping when a lady hit her clay target and smashed it. It was that camaraderie, that friendship, and they were all cheering each other on. And I thought, these chicks are really having a great day because they felt comfortable, they felt relaxed, and they were enjoying it. Yeah, exactly. What about so many hunting activities? Do you get any hunting activities, Marion? I haven't had the opportunity to do a lot of hunting the last year um, due to other commitments. But, yeah, I still take me out there and and I'll whack a fox and I'll scalp a fox and I'll shoot a feral cat. doesn't bother me. I certainly enjoy that. But I have found that's not necessarily what the public want to see a 60-year-old grandma during is holding up dead animals. So although I do hunt, I don't promote that I hunt. And realistically, getting women involved in a range environment will then lead onto the hunting if that's the direction they want to take. But let's get them into a range and teach them the the safety aspects, um, all about firearm safety, how to strip their guns down, and all the traditional things you need to learn. And then if they wish, the hunting side's there if they want to go down that path. Yep. Speaking of that, it's a, it's a very interesting one. I know some people like to you know, keep their, you know, their hunting photos close to their chest. Others are a lot proud of it. What, what do you think about that? That's quite an interesting um, summation there about people sharing their stuff on Facebook. Um, do you think it's, it's necessarily good? Do you think it, it, it's bad? Um, you know, I mean, people think people know it goes on. Um, do you think it does damage to the cause? Me personally, um, I have no issue with it because I would say probably 100% of what you're going to see on Facebook is vermin, feral animals, pest animals. So I've got no issue with that. That's our tradition. That's what our Aboriginal culture originally did. So it's a part of what we grew up with. So personally, I have no issue with it. But a lot of people look at me as being a 60-year-old grandma, justice of the peace, held in high esteem in the community. They don't necessarily want to see me holding up a dead animal on Facebook. So I don't do that. But do I hunt? Yes. Do I eat rabbits that I hunt? Do I eat ducks that we shoot? Yes. But it's not necessarily something I want to promote. But personally, I have no issue with anyone else doing it. Yeah, someone mentioned this to me the other day, <laughs> had a bit of a go at me on the email, I rarely get it, but said, you know, I want some sort of American-style system, which I, I thought was ridiculous anyway, not that uh, I agree with some of the things they do in the States, I'm a big supporter of certain organisations, um, but, uh, you know, a lot of people, some of the people this person was associating with, I mean, you know, is, they deal with African hunting, now I'm a big supporter of African hunting and conservation done right, of course. Uh, making sure everyone's got all the permits, etc., and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, when people post this stuff like giraffes and elephants and these types of things, do you think it does ir- irreparable damage to our cause or should we have the right to put these things up? And, you I mean, you've seen the backlash with that young female uh, hunter just to think it was probably only a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, you know, she was on Piers Morgan, I think, and stuff like that. And do you think the general public can handle it? Because, I mean, I find it interesting people sort of, you know, saying these types of things and the next breath are, are posting all their African hunting photos, which, hey, is, is, is legal, is fine, done properly. But can the public handle it? That's an interesting question and an interesting debate. Not necessarily. Um, I'm quite happy for those who do it because I understand the conservation side of it. 
So maybe that then becomes an education issue that we can pursue even further. Probably one of the biggest mistakes Glenn McGrath made was apologising for being a loud and proud hunter. Um, it is a part of our culture. There is a reason for it. It's a part of conservation. So maybe we need to look further into the education side of that. Um, there's just some that you will never educate, and that's fine. I've now decided to take the path of, okay, you don't like shooting, but don't deny me the pleasure of enjoying my sport. I won't demand that you enjoy it yourself or you are opposed to it. That's fine. You have your opinions. I won't argue with that, but please allow me to do what is a legal sport. And that's what it's, it's going to come down to. You're always going to get those that oppose. You're never going to please everyone. And I've just now taken this whole new tap with the aunties. Okay, that's your beliefs. That's your thoughts. I will respect that. But now please respect mine. Yeah, you know, a lot of people get on Facebook. Oh, I sort of, um, perhaps I'm wrong. I don't know. But uh, a lot of people fight the aunties on Facebook. I just, I, I see better ways to, you know, not worry about them these days. A lot of people want to get into David Shoebridge and I get all that. And I guess putting your voice forward you know, on social media that other people see it, the general public may see it and, and form their own conclusion. But, I mean, can we change the aunties' minds, Marion? I mean, a lot of people spend time on Facebook, and I know several people, this is interesting, um, uh, people fighting about things just the other day on Facebook. And I'm like, one of the guys I know in particular has never written to an MP, never written to a local member, and spent the better part of two days fighting someone else on Facebook about someone else within the shooting community, which is fine. But and they're entitled to have their say. But I mean, couldn't that time be better spent writing their local members? You know, right, making time with their local members, ministers, police ministers, and all that type of thing. Of course, and I actually had this discussion today with someone. This it'll always come down to the same few doing the the bulk of the work, and then there's those that'll just whine about it. So I always refer this back to the Monday after a election year. If you didn't like something, change it. If you didn't change your vote, don't come to me and complain on Monday that you didn't like who got in. And it's a little bit the same type of thing. You may sit and you may wind down the echo chamber of Facebook and whinge and bitch and carry on. But unless you're prepared to step up and actually be proactive, no, don't come to me. Please, I don't want to hear it. Do you hunt deer and want to learn the correct techniques for a quality wall mount and premium eating venison? SSAA Sydney Branch provides hunter education courses to help you become a better hunter and to utilise harvested game in the most effective way possible. Course content includes gunning, butchering and caping from experienced hands-on instructors using locally harvested deer. There is no gear required and also includes a barbecue lunch. Courses are held every first Sunday of each month with an 8am sign-in for a 9am start. Course running time is approximately 6 hours and the venue is Silverdale Rifle Range. Cost is $50 per person so call Andy Mallon at Silverdale Rifle Range on 02-4653-1440 or visit SSAAsydney.net.
Would you like to advertise on one of the most tech-savvy mediums on the internet? Then why don't you advertise with us on the Australian Hunting Podcast? If you have a product or business that you would like to promote, then we would love to hear from you. Become one of our partner advertisers by calling Jason on 0425 881 967 or email australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. I did an election special just a couple of weeks ago in regards to the numbers. Now, I mean, even if you work out, you know, the SFP, the LDP, I mean, One Nation somewhat, I guess, you know, depending on who, you, who you're voting for. Um, you know, I mean, even, even all those parties put together was only about 550,000, give or take, somewhere around there. Now, a lot, of, a lot of those people probably that voted, you know, for either one or all of those parties may not necessarily have voted for them, especially One Nation, I think, in regards to gun ownership. So, I mean, that's only 550,000 of gun owners that voted for, uh, you know, someone you could consider as pro-gun parties. So, I mean, that's 500,000 people, or Crim Tracer, there's 1.1 million. So if you work it out on that, that's 600,000 people, Marion, that didn't vote for a pro-gun party. I mean, this is what we're dealing with, and then people are complaining they're not getting their rights back. Exactly. I witnessed this on Sunday. I was at the Victorian SSAA AGM. Out of 36-plus thousand members... A hundred showed up. Uh, actually, less. There was 50. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, did, I did a head count around the room, and there was roughly around about 50 people. So if you've got something to complain about, that is what your membership pays for. You get the right to attend an AGM whether it be at LDP, SFFP, SSA, whatever, if you've got a gripe, that is what your membership allows you to do, to come along, have a say how it's run, ask, ask the difficult questions, demand the answers. But until you're prepared to step up and do that, no, don't come whining to me. How do we get no, them involved? I, I talk about this a lot about getting, that's the purpose of this show. Most of the shows that we do is trying to get people to write to local members, ministers. How do we get them involved? I mean, you know, I'm part of the Sydney branch. A lot of people know that I'm part of the Sydney branch SSAA committee. Uh, people think, you know, you're getting paid and all this ridiculous stuff. I do it because, you know, I'm trying to make changes and, you know, I don't, sometimes don't like giving up my time as much as anyone else, but, you know, I feel like it's, you know, a sort of a duty to do that. How do we get people motivated? How do we get them not, but not, not to be sort of apathetic and take, you know, getting into, they complain about organisations, they complain things aren't moving fast enough, yet they sit at home and don't do anything. So how do we get them on committees? Because if they want to make change, obviously they need to get involved. How do we do that? You know, if I had the answer to that, I could make a lot of money because I too work for nothing. Um, all the work I do at the SSAA ranges, the promotion, the travelling around other ranges and encouraging them how to hold these days, um, the publicity, the working for the government shooting sports facilities program, this is all done for nothing because of my passion to promote the sport and therefore protect the sport. And shooters are their own worst enemy. And... Apathy is just not going to win this war. I don't mind how many tribes there are on Facebook, how many likes a particular page has got. I'm over that. I realise now unity is not going to happen under the one banner. So long as we are all going to line up on the front line and point our cannons in the one direction, then we've got something happening. But until then, we're our own worst enemy. And I, I just don't get it. This is, I shoot multidiscipline, 
but there is no way I will turn my back on another discipline because I don't shoot it, so I'm going to say, I'm all right, Jack, stuff you. You can't be like that anymore. That's what happened in 96, and we can't do that. It, it's time to unite and fight and all have the one goal in mind. You may not follow the same Facebook page or you may be members of several pages, but the ultimate goal is to fight bureaucracy and maintain our rights, fight for them, protect them, promote them, because we want it here for the next generation. My father passed this down to me. I'm staring down the barrel of passing this on to my granddaughter, and that's a big plus. That's another female score. Yeah. But when our grandchildren say to us, oh, what happened in 2016 with the NFA? Oh, well, I bitched and moaned on Facebook. It's not enough. You need to write your letters. You need to be campaigning to your members. That is what we need. So whether it's just browbeating them with a baseball bat, constant pushing, we have to keep moving forward. We have no choice. Mm, I like that you caught it rights too. I think we do have rights in this country. A lot of people call firearms ownership a privilege. I don't agree with that whatsoever. I think it's a right to own a firearm in this country under the current system. So it's good to hear someone, you know, that's in a different walk of life, I guess, from me. You being in Victoria, you know, taking women shooting. Uh, I think it's fantastic, and it's good to hear people actually talk about their rights. We often talk about rights in this country, and then as soon as we get in the media and we're talking to the media, a lot of organisations just their toes curl up and start saying, "Yeah, yeah, it's a privilege to own a firearm." But yet, in every other situation, we talk about our rights. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, let's talk about getting women in shooting, Marion. How can we get women in shooting? Why should we get women in shooting? Why should we get women in shooting? Because women are the future of our sport. Women are the mothers of our children, and our children are the future. And most of the time, dads at work, mum has to be licensed to take the firearms for the coming Fridays for these kids to enjoy it. So let's get the women in there. Show them there's nothing to fear by allowing dads to bring their kids to the range, male or female. I don't care who dad brings. But win mum over and you've won half the battle. So my range at SSSA Shepparton is a very female-friendly range, a very family-orientated range. And we see this all the time. We see dad come out to shoot, mum comes with him, the kids come. Kids grow up and next thing they're showing an interest, they're getting into it. And now I'm seeing the mum wanting to get into it. And I remember Angela Kloppenberg from Field and Game Australia, first female on the board. And she said she was sick of sitting at home weekend after weekend, watching her husband and sons go shooting and thought, well, if I can't beat them, I'll join them. Angela's a damn good shot now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and this is, a bo- this is a bonus. This is what we need to do more of. Running the days like I'm running. Um, my first day was pistol, rifle and shotgun, 84 ladies, a totally free day. We absorbed the cost through sponsorship purely to encourage more women into the sport. Now I've got a big day tomorrow. Once again, we run junior development days. Through junior development, those kids are going to need mum to bring the firearms to the ranges. So mum's got to be licensed. So let's bring the mums into the ranges. Show them what it's all about. And it's they are the future of our sport. We have to do this. Yeah, I'm just I'm just looking at you said you live in Kybram now? Yeah, you know, I'm just looking. It's a wonderful I'm probably be down 
well, not not sort of that way. I'll be over the. Uh, I'm just looking at Google Maps right now. I'll be sort of around, uh, you know, Wakul up towards. Um, <laughs> Excuse me, Wakul. Wakul, <laughs> sorry, sorry. I've got to get used to the uh, term. I'll probably be around Swan Hill as well. Uh, yes. Maybe even Daniloquin. I love going down there each year. I, I look forward to going on the rice fields and shooting. And you know, for a guy that's a city boy like me in Sydney, like the first time I went down. I'm not even sure where I went, actually, the first uh, time that I was down there. We're down near Hay and obviously a bit further south. Okay. I don't want to give my exact hunting spots away. But, uh, you know, it's just I've never seen anything like that, that sort of area, like coming through some of these areas, going to Swan Hill, uh, obviously the, you know, Murray River, you know, things like that. It's just it's just fantastic. I mean, you know, I haven't been to Echuca yet. I'd love to come past there when I oh. drive home and, you know. Come up to Echuca. It's only a half hour away from me, and we've got the Echuca Pistol Club. We've got the Echuca Gun Club. We've got the VCTA ground, the Victorian Clay Target Association ground. Um, I've actually got shooters coming down from Deniliquin tomorrow to shoot at Shepparton for my Pink Ribbon Day. Right. I know. It's just I love that part of the country. It's just, uh, you know, it's it's flat, especially the parts I hunt on, very flat and you know, it depends, I guess, where which part of, you know, southern New South Wales or northern Victoria you live at, but uh, it's certainly a nice part of the world. Swan Hill, my farmer always says Swan Hill is a big city to him, so. <laughs> I'm basically um, north country, so I'm probably 30 minutes from Shepparton, 30 minutes from Echuca, a um, couple of hours from Deniliquin, and I pretty much grew up around Deniliquin hunting with my father. Um, fished on the Edwards and the Collagen Rivers and hunted all up around Peppinella, Zara, um, the stations up there. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's absolutely – yeah, the Edward. Yeah, that's that's near where I hunt on the Edward River. So I know part of that as well, very well. <laughs> Currently heavily in flood at the moment, I might add. I know. They, I did hear the other day I, I spoke to my farmer and uh, we go there every year, been going there for the better part of ooh, six years I think now and – uh, we normally go there for a week and a half, and he said he, he just said it's been crazy with water. It's raining like you know one or two days a week for the last couple of months. He's been saying so. I wonder if that'll bring the ducks, which I guess is good for me, but not so good for him. Being rice fields, I mean, last year we had a fairly good year, but um, he had a bumper rice season last year. Even though water was quite expensive, he had you know quite a large uh, you know holding water facility, so he was able to hold water. And um, you know, yeah, he had a good year last year, so I'm hoping he gets another good year this year, but. I wonder if the ducks will come or they're going to stay on the swamplands. I'm not 100% yet. We'll have to wait until we get there. Pretty much. But at this stage, we're looking for a bumper duck season. And, um, hey, that's good for my freezer. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, tell us, you, you were involved in, sorry, the government shooting sports, was it grants? What did you say before? My apologies. The, the Andrews Government Shooting Sports Facilities Program. This was a program originally initiated by the coalition government um, back in 2014 with the aim of $12.5 million. And originally it was to purchase a specific area for a just all the monies put into one range. Um, it didn't come off and there was a change of government. The money sat in Treasury for a period of time. The Andrews government reignited the program in 2015. And Daniel Andrews wanted a female representative on the board. He actually wanted two. But um, there's only one of me, mate, and they couldn't find another one like me. Yeah, so, so what, did, what did it involve in regards to what, just organising grants on merits to different organisations, etc.? Basically, there is 
um, four of us sitting as advisories to the government panel. Clubs and ranges have got the opportunity to assess their needs. There was a grants assessment program. They have a certain criteria to fill. They have a limited time to get that all together, as in quotes, photographs, supporting letters, all this. Submit their grant, and then we sit on it as a panel, um, as in uh, there's four of us, and we advise the government by a very rigid scoring process as to the validity of the grant, um, how much it's worth. There is a minor and a majors application. So minor facilities grants can apply up to 100,000, majors up to a million. Now, this last year, I sat on three majors and I think there was about 91 minors. So it's $12.5 million has actually gone a long way over three years to upgrade facilities, improve infrastructure, bring kitchens up to food safe standards, um, new traps, new down-the-line layouts, a myriad of options, uh, disabled facilities to make it more accessible to disabled shooters. So it's basically growing our sport and attracting more people to it, and that's what we need to do. And it has been an excellent program, and I, for one, would like to see it continued because there was a lot of ranges that missed out on funding through not necessarily any fault of their own, perhaps not understanding the program. Um, there was limited funds, of course. There was a cut-off point. But I would like to see this as an ongoing program for yet another round, definitely. Yeah, no, very fantastic. I just, I've got a question about that. Now, it's very interesting. What's your thoughts on this? Now, I think, obviously, any money to you know upgrade ranges, um, you know, obviously it's hard to come by that sort of money, especially when money, it's expensive to build ranges, it's expensive to upgrade ranges. And I, and I was having a chat with uh, one of my previous guests, which hasn't aired yet some time ago. Um, when the government gives us money uh, for ranges, so while I agree that's absolutely fantastic and it does a lot of help, especially for some of our rural ranges that can't afford some of the upgrades, how do we go when... Uh, people, I think some people would be uh, afraid if they don't get the money. Like, how can I explain this the best way? I guess I'm not explaining it that well. Um, like, when we're taking money from the government, some people may, may be afraid to say things in regards to the government, especially about rights and getting, you know, freedom, having our freedoms back if we're taking money from the government. So how does that work in uh, what I mean is people saying things, they don't want to say anything in the media or they don't want to say anything that may affect them getting a grant for a range. Do you think that comes into any issues at all? Look, we've got a look at this realistically. Mansfield has just produced a gold medal winner for Australia. So let's put this into perspective. There is a little gun club in Mansfield, Victoria, that has just produced a gold medal for Australia. Shooting is an Olympic sport. We are we excel at it. It needs to be promoted. So by assisting these rangers we are legitimising a perfectly legal activity, an Olympic sport, the youth coming through. And um, we need to continue this. And I'll keep spooking this because the aunties need to realise this. They all raise their hands and cheer. Oh, Australia's got a gold medal. Well, hello, excuse me, Mansfield just received grants to upgrade their facilities. 
how would it have been if that little club that Catherine Skinner belonged to couldn't grow their sport? But yeah, that exactly. club just that club just produced a gold medal winner for Australia. Let's be proud of that. Let's be proud of what this program does. Absolutely. What what, what do you think in women? I mean, obviously we know yeah you know, what men can get enjoyful. Uh, it's great to go shooting. What can I mean? If women listen to this show, what can women get out of participating in the shooting sports? Jeez, what can't they? It's lots it's of fun ch- for one. We know that, but <laughs> yeah, lots of fun. But shooting is you can either challenge yourself against other team members, or you can personally challenge yourself. Um, I know myself. I like to go to the range on a regular basis. And okay, I started off shooting over twenty-five meters. I was crap. I then started getting consistency. So then I started stretching myself out to 50 metres. Now I'm stretching myself out to 150, 200 metres. It's a a challenge to yourself. It's exciting. Um, It's a great camaraderie. People need to come to a range and witness the mateship. I always say our Shepparton range, SSAA range at Shepparton, you come for the shooting but you stay for the people. And, And that's a great thing. It's um, it's yet another community activity that ties people together. And that's what frightens me with a lot of these smaller ranges and clubs that don't get access to government grants because a lot of ranges are the hub of the small community. It's somewhere where the guys go, but it's also somewhere they can bring their sons through into the sport. Maybe their wives and girlfriends want to enter the sport. You can grow this. And that's what it's all about. Yep, true. What about women? You know, that they might be a bit nervous. It's a male-dominated sport. You might say they get a bit nervous having to, you know, get amongst the men, so to speak. And sometimes men, you know, they can get a bit. Oh, you, you know, come with me. I'll show you how it's done. I'll show you the right way. If women are a bit sort of hesitant about getting into shooting because of the male dominance, I guess you might say a little bit in the sport. What advice would you have for those females? This is why I've gone down the path of introducing female-specific days, ladies' days. And, okay, I had male range offers, but basically they were warned, you will not intimidate my ladies, you will not make them feel uncomfortable, there will be no sexist comments, um, or I'll escort you off the premises. But I've been there. I know what it's like when I first got into clay target shooting a little over a year ago. I was put in a squad of six. I found out that I was shooting in amongst a squad of double A and A grade shooters. Yes, I felt intimidated. So by running these female specific days, you take that threatening environment off the women. You set their traps, the the targets coming in, you set them as easy targets to encourage them that, okay, wow, I've just hit six out of eight targets and they've enjoyed the experience, but it's no good putting women in amongst a squad of double-A shooters. Uh, They can't shoot anything. They miss every target. They'll go away. They're dejected and they never come back. Bring them into the range. Set an easy field. Encourage them. That's the way to win them over. And then they will come back. Absolutely. Tell us a bit of an interesting story. Have you had any great experiences from, you know, people that have – you know, come up to you, they've come to one of the tri-shooting days and they've really enjoyed it. What's the experience been like for people? Has it been very positive and uh, any any interesting stories that might stick out uh, from the ladies attending any of those events? 
One of my greatest achievements was in April when I ran the tri- Triple Discipline Day. And I heard of, this was on a Saturday. And I had a father ring me up on the Sunday night. His 16-year-old daughter had enjoyed the experience so much she was sitting her junior licence the next week. That showed me that what I was doing was positive. The same range, we had 22 rifles. Later on in the afternoon, one of the gentlemen produced his 303 and just invited a couple of ladies, hey, do you want to have a go at something heavier? There was a line so long, all the women were like, wow, <laughs> I want to have a go at this. And then I got them up to the shotgun, and it was 4.30 in the afternoon, and we'd been there since 9 in the morning. They did not want to go home. They were having such a positive experience and enjoying themselves. So, yeah, there's, there's no negatives in it. Get the women in. Exactly. So what's coming up, uh, Marion? What can people expect? How do they – well, tell them, how do they get involved? They want to get involved in one of these uh, uh, shooting days. They want to try a shooting. Are you running any more? Can they go to websites? Can they get a phone number? What can they do? Where do they go? The Shepherd and SSAA Facebook page is always there. I'm also on Facebook under Marion Barnes. And you can always contact SSAA Victoria. Um there's many ways of doing this. This particular day tomorrow I've got running, I've noticed a gap in the market where the previous day I run, they all come and enjoy the experience, but it didn't necessarily turn over into memberships. They came and enjoy the day and it was like, what do I do now? So this time I have worked in conjunction with my local regional firearms officer at the Shepparton Police Station and SSAA and put together a takeaway bag that will tell them how to go about acquiring your AB licence, the actual licence paperwork, the handbook, safety handbook to sit the test. SSAA have provided safe storage of guns brochure and some other interesting articles and this will be given away to the ladies tomorrow, so that when they leave the range, they've enjoyed the experience. Oh, this is what I've got. This is what I need to do. Here's all the paperwork to take the next step. This is what we need to do. And there was a real gap there that they enjoyed the experience, but what do I do now? And they kind of fell through the cracks. And it was something that I noticed, and I've plugged that crack this time, that they'll come, they'll enjoy the day, and here's all the information to take the next step. Very good. All right. Any any anything to finish off, Mary? Anything you'd like to say, sort of about you know, women in shooting or anything in general? Any final thoughts? Basically, I have made myself available to any club or range that wants to follow my program. And recently, I attended the Wodonga Albury WSWA range. Spoke with them about running how to run a ladies' day, and they've got theirs running on October fifteenth. It is purely rifle but different disciplines within rifle. They'll do 22, they'll do black powder, they'll do heavy calibre. And I'm making myself available. You've either got to ring Caitlin Pearson at SSAA Victoria or contact me personally over Facebook or the SSAA Facebook page for Shepparton. And I'll make myself available to assist any range to follow my program to introduce more women to shootings. Fantastic. I guess that goes out to all the people listening. Uh, if you want to get women in shooting, you can contact uh, 
Marion, she can help out. And, uh, you know, women in shootings, absolutely fantastic. We need to get more women to shooting. I think it is good, uh, you know, to have more women out there enjoying it, you know, with them, you know, just themselves, not necessarily their husbands, uh, not necessarily if they're not even married. If you love shooting and you want to try it, get out and try it. Uh, you know, I don't think you'll be disappointed. I always say, Marion, uh, everyone loves firearms. You just haven't shot one yet. I'm just very passionate about it. I'm all about protecting the sport, and the way to protect it is to promote it. Absolutely. Marion Barnes joins us here on the Australian Hunting Podcast to talk about women in shooting. Marion, as usual, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Jason. You've been listening to an episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.